0: Father, thank you so very much for your great grace. Thank you for your love and your mercy. Thank you that you are the one who heals us. I praise you, Father, for you are gracious and compassionate. And I praise you for you are good. And I pray and ask, Father, that your Holy Spirit would be among us at this very moment filling us, working in our hearts and minds, guiding us and teaching us, empowering us as we rest in you. May you be glorified in this time, in Jesus' name, amen. Luke chapter 5, verse 12 through 16. And it happened when he was in a certain city that behold, a man who was full of leprosy saw Jesus, and he fell on his face and implored him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Then he put out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. Immediately the leprosy left him. And he charged him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing as a testimony to them, just as Moses commanded. However... The report went around concerning him all the more, and great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. So he himself often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. So as Jesus called his first disciples to follow him last week, and they forsook all and did so, Jesus' ministry continued to grow. His fame continued to spread. Miracles continued to happen, and God the Father continued to be glorified. Today, we see Jesus dealing with leprosy, which at the time was incurable. And as a result of that, you may be asking yourself, only four verses. We're going to get out early today. Thank you. Yeah, so we're going to take some time and we're going to talk about a biblical, the biblical doctrine of healing, because I thought that would be important as we get that far. So back to verse 12. It happened when he was in a certain city. Behold, a man who was full of leprosy saw Jesus and fell on his face. He implored him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And he put out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing. Be cleansed. Immediately the leprosy left him, and he charged him to tell no one but to go and show yourself to the priest, make an offering for your cleansing as a testimony to them, just as Moses commanded. So there's this man, full of leprosy. He approaches Jesus, he falls on his face, right? Even approaching Jesus was beyond what culture would have allowed at that time. Um, But he fell on his face, and he begged Jesus to heal him, but he said, if you're willing, you can make me clean. We're going to come back to that. Jesus was willing, and he does heal him. And these few verses are going to give us a lot to explore. So leprosy. Um, fun little bacterial infection is leprosy. Uh, today it's also known as Hansen's disease. Anybody ever watched the show Monk? Anybody ever watched that show? Thank you. All right, so two of you are going to get this illustration. So there was an episode of Monk, I don't know if you remember it, where he was working a case, Monk is a detective, and he's obsessive-compulsive and a clean freak, and he's working a case where one of the witnesses has recovered from Hansen's disease, right? So he's no longer contagious. It's, but the whole episode, every time Monk sees him, he's like, leper, leper! He, like, he won't touch him, he won't sit in the car with him, he won't go near, it's it's a pretty good episode. Um But Hansen's disease or leprosy, it's it's just a bacterial infection, and it causes skin lesions, and it causes nerve damage. It thrives in unsanitary conditions, and it is contagious through prolonged exposure to an infected person. Today, there is a treatment and a cure for it, which is really interesting because it takes about a year of going through the treatment to be cured of it. Uh, But in Jesus' day, and, and much farther back, actually, the cure for leprosy is like less than 70 years old. I think it was discovered in the late 50s or early 60s. So for all of human history up till then, it was incurable. So he fell on his face and implored or begged Jesus. And here I see desperation, which in that culture makes a lot of sense. As a leper, he could not be near his family. He couldn't go near anyone else. He wasn't allowed to go to the temple. He wasn't allowed to worship in the synagogue. He couldn't go in the house and celebrate a Sabbath dinner with his family or his friends. He could do none of it. He was an outcast. They actually had, back then, that as you approached, if there was a group of lepers on the side of the road, they had to start crying out as soon as they saw you, unclean, unclean. Because, well, they they were very, very afraid of it back then. And as this outcast, he is begging Jesus out of his desperation to fix it. Because healing him would not just be healing him of leprosy. It would be his way back into relationship with his family. And even according to their culture, his way back into relationship with God. In Psalm 18, verses 4 through 6, the psalmist writes, The pangs of death surround me, and the floods of ungodliness made me afraid. The sorrows of Sheol surrounded me and the snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I called upon the Lord and cried out to my God. He heard my voice from his temple and my cry came before him, even to his ears. I'm sure most people in here can relate to this in some way, shape or form. Because there have been uh, several occasions in my life where i was that kind of desperate where my crying out to the lord was not uh right a nice composed prayer uh, like i try to do on sunday mornings i'm not always successful but you get what i'm getting at right the words weren't written out the emotions weren't okay well i'm gonna feel excited here and i'm gonna feel contemplative here did you know there's some pastors who do that I've never done that, but it really cracks me up. They will, they'll write out their prayers. And it's not that I've never written out a prayer, but they'll write out their prayers with emotional cues next to it. I'm like, why? So, they, so when they're praying at the sad part, they're, they're morose. And when they're praying at the, the praiseworthy part, they're excited. Not that kind of prayer. This is a prayer of, I have nothing else. I have nowhere else to go. I have nothing else I can do. I know for a fact that nobody but God can deal with this. That's the desperation in his voice. And I love that because even in the midst of that desperation, he says, if you're willing. Jesus responds with, I am willing, and he heals the man. But herein lie one of the most important aspects of this passage for us. The leprous man did not demand Jesus heal him. He did not name and claim his healing, as as some TV evangelists are popular of saying. He did not presume that Jesus had to or would heal him. Instead, he asked if Jesus was willing, and then he expressed faith in Jesus' ability. And I love this. If you're willing, you can make me clean. I think that's gorgeous. Not only was he submitting himself to the will of God, but he was expressing faith in the ability of God. Now we know Jesus was indeed willing and he did heal him. So we'll talk about that more in a second. But I want to spend a moment at 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 and 15. In those two verses, we read, now this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. Now we're going to talk about this a little bit more, and we're going to talk about healing more in a bit, as I mentioned earlier. But for now, I think what we need to hear God saying to us is this. When we pray according to his will, we can have the confidence that's spoken of in this verse. Now, if we're praying for our own selfish desires, as James talks about, remember he said, um, um, he said something, you ask and you have not because you ask to spend it amiss on your pleasures. Where do wars and fights come from among you? There it is. That's, where, that's how it starts. It's up in James chapter 4. But the point that James is making is, is you you may say all these prayers. You may ask for all these things, but are you praying selfishly? Or are you praying according to God's will? Now, the easiest way to pray according to God's will is to pray according to God's word. I absolutely love that, right? He's already revealed to us his will in the scriptures. So if you want to be confident... Pray his word. It's really fun and very, very fruitful. But his word might not speak to every specific situation, right? This is word, right? There's no first Jason that tells me what job to take or that tells me, you know, what hobby to do or what direction our family goes or anything like that. Those I pray and seek him and wait upon him to Reveal to me now he'll reveal to me in his word and he reveals in a bunch of other ways but the point i'm getting at is if you want confidence in your prayer life pray according to his will he promises that he will hear that pray prayer and he promises that he will answer so the man is healed immediately and jesus tells him to do two things first don't tell anybody and this was common for jesus to do because he did not want his fame spreading too far Right? He did not want it to go beyond. His time hadn't come yet. He didn't want to irritate everybody just yet. He did eventually irritate everybody uh, greatly, but it wasn't time for that just yet. Unfortunately, as we read through the Gospels, people never listened. Right, Because when he said, don't tell anybody, there were, verse 15, the report went around concerning him all the more. They didn't listen. But the second thing he tells him is, is go show yourself to the priest and make the offering for your cleansing according to the law of Moses. In Leviticus chapters 13 and 14, a rousing read, by the way, if you want to go back into uh, the book of Leviticus, you can pay a lot of attention to all the various ways leprosy is described there in Leviticus. It's not, not terribly pleasant. But, In that passage, not only does the law lay out the identification of those with leprosy and how they had to be ostracized so as not to spread the infection, but chapter 14 explains what the leprous person would do on the day of their cleansing. And on the day of their cleansing, the leprous person would go to the priest, they would make uh, specific sacrifices, they would go through a ceremonial washing, they would put on clean clothes... There was a whole rigmarole that had to happen on the day of their cleansing. Now, here's my question. Why is there a law for what to do when an incurable disease was cured? That always, it makes me think. Because the only answer is that God put within the law the ability to miracles to take place. He put it in there. right? We have multiple Old Testament instances where leprosy was healed. Well, multiple is a stretch. We have a few. Um, Old Testament instances where leprosy was healed. Then we get into Jesus' ministry, and when Jesus heals lepers, he continually tells them, go to the priest and show yourself as a testimony to them. Because they knew leprosy didn't go away. The only way it could was if God did it, and he did it miraculously. So I love that God wrote laws that essentially predicted and made room for miraculous healing. Verse 15. However, the report went around concerning him all the more. And great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities, So he himself often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. So it didn't matter that Jesus commanded people not to spread his fame. It spread anyway. The more people who heard it, the more people came to him. Uh, There's a beautiful verse in Romans 10, 17 that tells us that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It is absolutely wonderful and essential that we live our lives as a light shining in a dark world. People should see us. They should see Christ in us. And it, we, as Jesus calls us, we're salt, right? It should make them thirsty for the things of God. But you can live the best life ever. And unless you actually tell them about the gospel, unless you actually share with them that Jesus died on the cross and rose from the grave, then your example is going to fall short. Because faith is, doesn't come by experience. Faith comes by hearing. Now, don't get me wrong. Experience is awesome. And I love having what, you know, the the quote-unquote mountaintop experiences with God. Those moments where where everything is, is wonderful and you're praising Him and you're aware of His presence and you're excited about the things that are going on. But we all live in the real world. And you can't stay on the mountaintop all day long. And a lot of times we come back down to the valleys, and the problem with basing our faith on the mountaintop experience is that when that changes, then our faith changes. But when we base our faith on the Word of God, when our faith truly comes by hearing, and hearing by His Word, then our faith is founded on something that's unchangeable. Our faith is founded on something that cannot be shaken which makes our faith a lot more solid. So they came to hear him, and they came to be healed by him. In Exodus 15, verse 26, God calls himself Jehovah Rapha. Jehovah Rapha. And it means the Lord who heals you. What it brings to mind, I mean, there's there's so many places we see healing, um, but something that I just, I absolutely love, and, and we keep in mind, is that it is the Lord who heals us. I don't care by what means we are healed. Ultimately, it is the Lord who heals us. In Acts chapter 3, Peter and John went up to the temple to pray, and there was a beggar sitting there. And when they walked by, they said, look at us. And the man looked up, And according to Acts 3, supposing he would receive something from them. But what he supposed he would receive and what he did receive were two very different things. He thought they were going to give him money. And Peter looked at him and said, silver and gold I do not have. But what I have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And he did. And leaping and praising God, they went in. To the temple together, and that led to all kinds of issues. They got arrested for it, and when they were before the Sanhedrin, they were asking them all kinds of questions. And finally, Peter goes, Oh, so you just want to know what happened? Oh, fine. If you want to know how this happened, that's great. It wasn't me, but I'll tell you. It's his name, and through faith in his name has made this man strong, whom you see and know. Yes, the faith which comes through him has given him this perfect soundness and the presence of you all i love that statement peter goes oh you want to know what happened jesus did it it's that simple right i look around and and every every sunday for the past couple months when i've seen um, more seats filled than there were in years past i can't help but look out and go well jesus did this it wasn't me Right? You guys come here in spite of me. But I know it wasn't me. And I love, I love, I love, I love when God does something in my life and there is no other explanation. There is no other way. Because people can look at me and they go, whoa, no, nope. he's not smart enough. You're right, I'm not. Or not strong enough. You're right, I'm not. Or not patient enough. Absolutely. I'm not patient enough. But I love it when God does stuff. And he's the only one who could possibly get the glory for it. Malachi 4.2 says, But to you who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness will arise with healing in his wings. And you shall go out and grow fat like stall-fed calves. I like that verse. That verse has a lot of personal application to me. But I don't grow fat like a stall-fed calf. I grow fat from a stall-fed calf. Because there's something excellent about veal. The last verse here, or the last part of the verse says, Jesus often withdrew into the wilderness. And we've talked about this wilderness word a lot, and I'm going to bring it up every single time we come across it. In Greek, it is the word aramos, And when we think of wilderness, maybe we think of forest, or maybe we think of a desert. But it doesn't necessarily mean a place where there's wild animals and pine trees it means a place of silence and solitude now that doesn't always happen in the forest or maybe you don't have time i'll tell you there there are a few occasions it happens every now and then when i need just to be alone with god and even though um, you know i could shut my computer off and right there but i will leave my office and i will walk in here Because as long as there's no planes flying overhead, I can get silence in here. I do the same thing at home. I try to have that moment or those moments, um, usually after Leah goes to work and before the girls get up, depending on the day. Um, But I love to have those moments. Jesus knew that communion with his father was vital to his ministry. We talked about praying according to God's will a little while earlier, and it's imperative if we want to know and pray according to God's will that we spend time alone with him, away from the distractions. This time alone will involve being in the word. It will involve prayer, maybe time just sitting before God to enjoy his presence and listen for his voice. If, if you're not used to doing this and you want to drive yourself insane, I encourage it. Just try to sit quietly and not think of anything for five minutes. I can't do it, right? You guys, you guys have been hearing about this for well over a year. I've been working on incorporating a practice of silence and solitude. And I told you, I'm going to start with five minutes. And when I get five minutes down, I'll expand it to 10. I'm still working on five minutes. My brain will not shut down. It's just, it's like a, a, a speeding in in there. Right on. You, ever, you guys remember the cartoon Speedy Gonzales? I know he's not culturally appropriate anymore, but I loved Speedy Gonzales cartoons and his <laughs> and his cousin Slowpoke Rodriguez and and how they were always mean to the gato. Um, it was I loved, 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 loved Speedy Gonzales. Anyways, um, but that's what my like a hamster on a wheel, and it's just just spinning and spinning and spinning and spinning. And about the only way I can get peace is to kill the hamster, and most of the time he just won't die. But it's never going to happen if we don't at least try to have those places of silence and solitude. So there's the verses we're looking at today. Feel good? Now I want to talk. It's a good intro. (laughs) Exactly. Throughout the Bible, we have a multitude of accounts where God healed people miraculously. We see things like raising the dead. We see accounts like this in both the Old and New Testament. Jesus told his followers, that's us, that he would empower them to heal others. And I believe that God still heals. But I also believe that we have far, far too many misconceptions and false ideas about healing, which have become dogma within the church. And dogma is just a fancy way of saying it's something that people believe that isn't necessarily true. And with that, I want to talk about healing. So first, let's talk about the gift of healing. We've got to remember that it is God, through his Holy Spirit, who gives the gifts according to his will in 1 Corinthians 13.11. This means that no person chooses the gift of healing for themselves. You can pray for it. But that doesn't mean you'll get it, because it's according to his sovereign will. And so not every believer will have that gift. It doesn't mean that every believer cannot pray for someone to be healed. It just means that we don't always have the quote-unquote spiritual gift. I've had an interesting conversation. I have several friends who are um, cessationists. And that's just a fancy word that means that they don't believe the gifts of the Spirit are for today. And that's okay. Um, they're, they're allowed to believe that. But with that being said, I asked one of them once, Okay, so you don't, you don't believe in the gift of healing? I said, but do you believe God can still heal? Well, well yeah, he's God. Of course he could do that. Okay. I said, because James 5 tells us that if there's any sick among us, they should call for the elders and we should anoint them with oil and pray for them. To be healed. I said, we're commanded to pray over people for their healing. So do you think that's wrong? Well, no, no, clearly that's it. So I'm like, well, so what's your problem? Well, you know, the guys on TV that slap people on the forehead. Well, yeah, they're they're idiots. Don't, don't listen to them anyway. But the point is, God still heals. God still heals. First Corinthians 13:9 and Luke 10:9 bring up a couple of words that we need to understand in regards to the gift of healing. The first word is iama, I-A-M-A, and it means to cure or make whole. This is the word that very much refers to what we think of when we think of the gift of healing, right? We had a leprous man, full of leprosy. He comes in and Jesus, he says, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And so Jesus prays for him and makes him clean. He is now whole and cured. That's Iyama. That's what that word means. But there's a second word that's used of healing. We'll come across it when we get to Luke chapter 10, verse 9. And this is the word therapy. Guess what word in our language comes from that? Ice cream. No. You're right. Therapy is the word that comes from that word. But it's used um, the definition of it, it means to cherish or to be an attendant or to be a servant or to relieve, to heal, but it, and to cure or to worship. Now that word means the gift of healing goes so far beyond laying your hands on someone and having whatever's wrong with them go away. This is talking about a person who comes along someone who's suffering and serves them comes along someone who's suffering and cherishes them or attends to their needs or relieves their pain. Right. If you had anybody here had surgeries, right? We've all, we've all had surgeries for me. That was the nurse that came in and hooked up the morphine. That was a gift of healing right there. Right. And I would sit there. Uh, so it was after my, my second weight loss surgery. I was sitting there, and my wife was so funny, um, because I had the button, right? I had the morphine button, which is a bad idea. Don't give that to me. But it had a timer on it, and I can't remember what the timer was. I think it was 15 minutes. And so I'd push the button, ah, right? You feel really good, but morphine, your metabolism burns through morphine pretty quickly. And so then I'd start doing this. Click, 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 click. And she'd be like, there's five minutes on the clock, so when that five minutes is up, I'm not not going a second pass. And it would give me something to do to take my mind off the pain. Um, That's not what I'm necessarily getting at. The point of this is, yes, healing can and does refer to praying over somebody so whatever is wrong with them is healed. But it can also mean coming alongside that person and serving them and cherishing them and attending to them and, well, loving that is involved in the gift of healing now number two on the list of things we're going to talk about regarding healing says variety is the spice of life i thought i'd be cute throughout the bible we see god heal a multitude of people in a multitude of different ways some people are touched some are not and then some touch him we see all three. Jesus may be healing from a distance, a person grabbing onto his robe, or Jesus laying his hands on them, right? Various ways. Some people Jesus spit on. So you should be careful if you ask me to pray for your healing. That's what Jesus did. Other times he spit in the dirt and made mud. Sometimes there's one healing in the, in the Gospels, and I don't remember where it's at off the top of my head, where Jesus stuck his fingers in a deaf guy's ears. So next time you come to me, I, could you pray for me? I have a headache. Yep. I don't know. But there's so many different ways. Right? There's one instance in the Old Testament where a, a child died and the prophet came into the room, laid on top of the kid. And essentially by laying on top of him, he goes, yep, he's dead. But by laying on top of him, he started to warm up. Then he got up and he paced around the room. Then he laid on him again. Got up and paced around the room, laid on him again. Right? Did this seven times and all of a sudden the kid went (coughs) and stood up. So again, you might want to be careful before you call me out for a hospital visit. I might just climb in the hospital bed and pray for you. Okay, I won't do that. I promise. I promise. Right? There's one instance where a dead soldier is thrown into the tomb of Elijah and the dead soldier touches... The bones of Elijah, because at that point, Elijah had uh, disintegrated. or Not Elijah. Elisha, sorry. Elijah was taken up by a chariot of fire. Elisha. But the man was raised from the dead by touching the bones of Elisha, a dead prophet. The idea that there is only one way to heal or that God only heals in certain ways is foreign to the Bible. And it is foreign to a true biblical understanding of God's healing work. In other words, we don't put God in a box. He can do it however he wants. Number three, healing goes beyond the physical. And I think this is something very important for us to understand. 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 and 24 says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body, three different words in the Greek, pneuma, suke, and soma, may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful and will also do it. 1 Peter 2, 24 and 25 says, who himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we having died to sins might live for righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. For you were all like sheep going astray, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Now I bring that up because don't get me wrong. Physical healing is awesome. The first And most important healing that any person can have is to be forgiven of their sin and made right before God through a relationship with Christ. It is still the greatest miracle that can be performed and it's still the most important healing any of us can have. A spiritual healing. Some of us need emotional healing. We struggle with things and we seek God for them. And then some of us, of course, we do seek a physical healing. But the point is just like we don't put God in a box with the way he's going to heal a person or may heal a person, we don't put God in a box as far as what healing is. Because we need to be spiritually, emotionally, and physically whole. And that leads to number four. And here is where the pitchforks and. No, I, I doubt that. But number four states you don't always get the healing you want when you want it. And that's hard. That's hard to hear. And I understand that. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 10. This is Paul speaking. And he said, "Lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure." Now, there's question about what that was. Um, some think because of a comment that Paul made to the church in Galatia that they would have plucked out their own eyes and given them to him, is that he had some sort of eyesight problem. Now, if that's true, it may have actually come from when Jesus blinded him on the road to Damascus. But we don't know exactly. But whatever the case, Paul calls this a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan, so that he would not be exalted above measure, because of everything that he had been told and given. I mean, he wrote a lot of the Bible by the uh, inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So he goes on, Concerning this thing I pleaded with the Lord, three times that it might depart from me. It's Paul. We've seen Paul raise the dead. We've seen Paul heal the blind. We've seen Paul uh, heal the deaf. We've seen, we, there's one instance in the book of Acts where, uh, it's, it, well, Peter is when they went outside to be touched by his shadow. Paul is where they just tried to get a hold of his apron that he worked with. Because, oh, if I can just get a hold of his apron, right? Unusual miracles were worked by them, according to the book of Acts. It's Paul! And he goes, Lord, will you heal me of this? No. But Lord, will you heal me of this? No. Three times. Lord, will you heal me of this? No. My grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. That was the word of the Lord to Paul. My strength is made, my grace is sufficient, and my strength is made perfect in your weakness. So Paul writes, Therefore for, therefore, most gladly I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distress for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I love that verse. I absolutely love that verse. Um, it probably would be my life verse if Philippians 1.6 didn't exist. My grace is sufficient for you. Number five, healing is always according to God's will and not our own. The leper today said, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus said he was willing. It is arrogant and foolish on our part to demand healing from God or to insist that he heal us or someone else in our time or in our way. Instead, we do what this leprous man did. We surrender to God. We surrender to his will in every aspect of our lives. And that means that we trust God even when things don't go our way or they don't go the way we think they should. Remember Jesus' rejection in Nazareth. He pointed out that God could have healed lepers in Israel, but instead he chose to heal Naaman, who was a military commander of of an enemy of Israel at the time. Because God heals who he wants, the way he wants. Now, number six And I'm going to be very, very honest with you. I actually debated and prayed about pulling this one out. Because I want to make sure nobody hears me wrong with what I'm about to say. Our lack of faith may hinder or delay our healing, but it does not change God's will. And that's super important for us to understand. In John chapter 5, verses 1 through 9, and for time's sake we won't read it all, but Jesus came to a lame man at the pool of Bethesda. I love this account. When he came to the lame man at the pool of Bethesda, there was a pool there, and something would happen where the water would get stirred up, and the the myth or the rumor was the first person to get in the water, because they thought it was an angel who stirred it up, the first person to get in the water after the angel stirred it up would be healed. Jesus comes upon this lame man and he looks at him and he says, do you want to be healed? You would think the answer would be, well, yeah. What's the answer? It's an excuse. Well, there's nobody to help me down into the pool. And whenever the water's turned and I try to get there first, someone gets in before me. Lack of faith. Right? Right? Complete delay. This man had been in this position, if I remember correctly, 38 years. That's a delay. Was it God's will to heal him? Yes. It was God's will to heal him. Said his son. And his son said, do you want to be healed? And the guy made excuses. And what did Jesus do? Well, fine. You don't want to believe in me? Sit there. Is that what Jesus did? No. He healed him anyway. He healed him anyway. So I'm not going to sugarcoat things because there may be times when we need healing or deliverance from a sin or an illness or something else. And because we're not seeking after God, We're not getting the answer we would like, or even the answer we need. And this often happens, or at least it can happen, because we have let some sort of sin take the place of our faith. However, there are thieves and liars who will tell you that God is not healing you because you don't have enough faith. And there are thieves and liars who will tell you that God is not healing you because you haven't given enough money to their ministry. And there are thieves and liars who will sell you things on the internet or on, on, on the uh, TBN or, uh, uh, sorry, that sticks in my throat. Because, wow, just buy this prayer handkerchief. Linda knows how much I hate the prayer handkerchief. It's been on my devotion, my morning devotion. Just buy this for, you, send me $50. And I, will, I blew my nose into this. It's holy snot. You rub it on your forehead, you'll be fine. That's that's not, you don't find that in here. Just saying. You're not going to find anything in here that tells you any of that garbage. God does want us to trust him. He wants us to trust him for everything in our lives, including healing of any kind. But he knows our weakness. And he loves us anyway. And we can rest in that. And we can rest in grace. We don't have to beat ourselves up if something doesn't happen the way we think it should or when we think it should. If there's an issue in your life you need to deal with before God, deal with it before God. You must do that. It's important. But don't go around going, well, this isn't happening in my life because I'm a horrible Christian and God doesn't really love me. Yes, you're a horrible Christian, but God loves you anyway. Right? Right? I love it when people say, oh, that that person's a really good Christian. To be a Christian means to be like Christ. I have moments. I have moments that I'm like Christ, but they're few and far between. I want to be like him. I want to follow him, but I'm imperfect, just like the rest of us. But he knows that. There is a a passage in the Old Testament. I wish I put it down. It's in the book of Psalms. Um, that he understands our frame, that we are nothing but dust. He knows our weaknesses. So this idea that you've done something wrong, and that's why God isn't healing you, that's not in Scripture. Like I said, a lack of faith may delay it, Unrepented of sin, things like that, because it breaks your fellowship with God, but... It's quickly restored. And healing is according to God's will. Now number seven, and I love answering this question because it freaks people out. I love asking this question because it freaks people out. Does God always heal the believer in Jesus Christ? See, there's already some heads shaking no. And the answer is yes always always now here's the problem he doesn't always do it the way we want him to god can and does heal with a miraculous work of his spirit he can and does use people as his instruments for this even today don't ask me why he would ever choose to use any of us but he would don't let anyone tell you differently mark 134 it says that jesus healed many who were sick with various diseases. Miraculous healing still exists. Number two, God may choose to heal through practical means such as modern medicine, physical therapy, health care, and so on. Mental health care, sorry, and so on. Because you went to the doctor and you had the procedure or you got the prescription or whatever it was and you got better God still did the healing. You got to think about it. Um, I, I don't. I always forget. I don't know how many times I've been chopped open, um, but I have had a number of surgeries. What has always amazed me is watching the incisions heal. I had one where all they did was glue it back, glue the incisions back together. So there was no bandage. There was no nothing. I just got to, just got to look at my stomach and every day be like, "Wow, it hurt," but. They glued it back together. Worst thing ever, they did an incision in my belly button. And they glued that back together. That was, of all the surgeries I've experienced, that was the most painful. Uh, But the fact is that God does choose, at times, to use modern medicine or other practical means. And the A, the idea that it's wrong for a Christian to go to a doctor is silly. Paul told Timothy Um, he gave Timothy a prescription. No longer drink only water, but use a little wine for your stomach's sake and your frequent infirmities. Right? He's telling Timothy, you're getting sick because of the water. So drink something else. It's no different. You have a sinus infection? It's okay to take antibiotics. You got back pain? It's okay to take ibuprofen. Right? You got to think about all the various things that we deal with. But in the end, if the treatment works, God is still the one who did the healing. A doctor will sew you up, but the body heals. Because that's how God made us. And then C, God may choose to forego the current body altogether and give us a new one. When a believer dies, they are not dead. We simply put off the old body and are given a new one in victory. 1 Corinthians 15 54 through 57. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. It is vital for us to know and believe that God always heals those of us who are his followers. We surrender to his sovereign will and his compassion and grace to perform this healing how and when he chooses. Even though Paul prayed three times to be healed and God said no, and even though Paul had a physician, Luke, as a companion to help him with his frequent illnesses, Paul did not receive his healing until he received a new body after his death. Paul was surrendered to the will of God, and we must be as well. As we close, this leprous man approached Jesus with humility and a willingness to surrender himself to the will of God as a great example to us of how we approach God. While we may not always receive the physical healing we want or when we want, we can trust in a couple of things that are vital for us. First, God wants to provide for us eternal spiritual healing through the blood of Jesus Christ. There is nothing more important than that. Right? It doesn't matter what happens to this body if I know Christ is Savior. It doesn't matter what I suffer here. It doesn't matter when this body wears out, which the way I feel this weekend. played pickleball yesterday. was real sore yesterday. I'm like, it's wearing out a lot faster than I thought it would my own fault but still this doesn't matter this is temporary one day we're going to get a new one it's going to be a good day God wants us to be whole and well in Christ having every aspect of who we are body, soul and spirit sanctified in him this comes from having a relationship with God through Jesus and being filled by his Holy Spirit so we can walk with him Second, we will all, as followers of Christ, eventually receive the physical healing we need. We may not get it when we want it. We may not get it even how we want it. And we may not even get it here on earth. But we will, according to the promise of God, one day get that new body. One day we will experience God's perfect healing. And it'll be according to his will and time. One of my favorite things to do as a pastor, I love weddings and funerals. I've I've always loved them both. Weddings are a blast. Um, Funerals, not so much. But funeral always gives me the opportunity to preach the gospel. And a funeral always gives me the opportunity to minister to a family. And in that, if the person we know was a believer, then, oh, I can give such great encouragement. And if not, I can tactfully give warning. But for us, one day I'm going to die, folks. I really hope it's before all of you. My wife and I have an agreement that I die first. You guys all see to that. If she gets sick, just kill me. Because she would be fine without me. I can't live without her. Do you see all those browning points? It's pretty good, right? Um, but we have that agreement because I, I don't... Oh, yeah. I want to go home. I can't wait. So a couple of questions. We do this just about every week. Have you received the spiritual healing and forgiveness that comes through a relationship with Jesus? I don't care what shape the rest of your body is in. I don't care what's going on with you. I don't care how bad it looks. If you know Christ as Savior, everything else is secondary. My second question, are you seeking God for a healing? And it hasn't happened yet, whether it's physical or spiritual or emotional. Now, I'm not going to blame you. I'm not going to blame anybody else. We've been talking about surrendering to the perfect will and timing of God. But what I know can happen is when you're praying for something and you're asking for something and it's something you need and he makes you wait, it's hard. And sometimes we can get angry or even frustrated with God. He's got big shoulders. He can take it. I've told him I'm mad at him before. It didn't last very long because he showed me why he was right. But... I've been mad at him before, and I've told him that. But the point is, and I want you to hear this, you need to know that he loves you infinitely more than you can imagine. And if you haven't received that healing yet, then he has a reason for it. And that, oh, it's hard. I know it's hard. But it's still true. Number three. How is your time of silence and solitude with God? Do you have one? Right? Is it bad like me where you might get a minute and a half out of the five minutes where you actually quiet your mind or maybe you're really good at it and you can spend an hour in the forest um, just listening for the voice of God whisper through the trees? I just want to encourage you to be intentional about that time with him. My goal today... Besides looking at the beautiful healing of this leprous man by our Lord and Savior Jesus, is to help us have a greater understanding of what biblical healing looks like. God is Jehovah Rapha. He is the Lord who heals us. This healing is spiritual, emotional, and whether here or in eternity, physical. I believe our God can and does perform miracles and for some reason... He will at times use us as instruments through which he will work. However, it is God who is at work, and he works all things for good according to his will and his perfect time. It may not always make sense to us, and we may not always like it, but we can, by his grace, trust him even when we don't understand. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your great love and grace. Father, I know in our building today that there are people who need healing. There are those who are praying for physical healing, who have gone to doctors, who have dealt with stuff and are still praying for that healing. And Lord, we pray if you're willing, we know you can. And just pray for your hand of grace. And if you have a reason, not if, we know you have a reason, but for whatever the reason is, Father, that it may have not come yet give us the grace to know that you're always going to do its best and i pray for each of us this week lord give us wisdom and guidance to seek you and to hear your voice in jesus name amen